position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello and welcome to episode number 246 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, being recorded for you late on this Sunday, the 14th of July, 2019, at, uh, 0700, uh, well, 730 hours, uh, Coast time, left coast time, coast with the most, yes, that would make it for, yes, our sequel friends, uh, what, 2019, 0714, there's like a weird, I guess it's the 07 and the 14 thing. Anyway, Crack Engineer, Ivor Molina over there in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign in spite of the early hour. And yes, we must obey Ivor at least just this one last time because Ivor spent last night trying to explain to me how he doesn't actually exist. And you know, t- trust me, man, if you're explaining to somebody how you don't actually exist, you got some serious fucking problems. So, you know, whatever. I take him at his word. So, because of that, Ivor, you are fired. Get the fuck out of here. Go not exist someplace else, you worthless sack of shit. We have a huge show for you this week. So, let's get straight to it with our top stories. Um, first of all, uh, we have 
finally migrated away from Mint 18.3. We are now on, we are now recording to you live on the interwebs uh, via uh, Mint 19.1. Um, this process was fraught with difficulty, uh, but everything appears to be back in shape, more or less, you know, every time you do this, there's always something that you forgot, in my case, one of the, uh, the two biggest scares were, um, losing my OBS settings, which didn't actually happen, because I did have them backed up, um, but I didn't know that, (laughs) I didn't remember that, uh, and, uh, the other big thing, the other big scare was, oh, the other two big scares were, like, losing my Tmux, uh, settings, and, uh, but more importantly, uh, losing my UDEV rules, which really sucked, I lost all of them, and they were rather exotic, considering that, um, you know, the CH products, pro pedals for flying helicopters, you know, down below, along with, uh, my Warthog, my Thrustmaster Warthog, hottest setup, but anyway, it's, all that's fixed now, um, so, yeah, hopefully, uh, we sound okay, to you, um, we've been, uh, our OBS and everything is, is back up and running at full, full throttle, full strength, full steam, I wanna say a special thanks to everyone who's been, uh, jumping on our Twitch stream, either to watch me, uh, brutalize the piano on Fridays, Saturdays, you know, weekend or whatever, or, uh, you know, new friends, old friends, etc. Dizavore, uh, BPR, uh, stupid end user, you know, everybody. Um, we've had a very big week in terms of our Twitch streaming. We're almost like affiliate now, which is crazy. I don't even know what that means, but it's like important to somebody. So I'm gonna try to get that, make that happen. And that just means more and more streaming. Um, so yeah, so that that's been very cool. It was a big fucking ordeal though, getting everything back into. So shockingly enough, after the upgrade, it, which shockingly enough, normally it's not the upgrade that's the difficult part. Normally it's the everything you forgot part afterwards. It's the difficult part. This time it was the opposite way, opposite way around. The upgrade was fucking horrendously difficult for me. Um, but I won't bore you with the details of that because it's all fixed, so it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, uh, before I forget, many, many thanks, many, many tanked U's, E-W-E-S, uh, go out to, uh, the aforementioned, uh, BPR, Blaster, P- uh, Blaster PR, who, like, literally this week, I mean, of course, he's tortured the shit out of me endlessly on the Discord, him and fucking stupid end user just been beating me up about this fucking AMD GPU thing, and it's like no one listens to me, but that's okay, that's fine that's fine that's fine, it's okay no one fucking listens to me, that's alright it's okay, but uh, apart from that, BPR I, basically every fucking story we have this week Every item, with the exception of my friend Pedro, which is our review this week, or in our feature, um, in some way seems to have been connected, either directly or indirectly, to Blaster PR. Uh, we, we'll get to that in a moment. But so yeah, so many, many, many thank, many, many thank yous to BPR. Good man, fine fellow, good standing. Um, okay. Uh, also, in our top stories, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Uh, as um, 
described several episodes ago in this very here airspace podcast a time um if you remember the feature that we ran on it uh bloodstained rot uh was being what was in, was being incredibly uncooperative for me in terms of both saving as well as uh eventually even running without having to uninstall it all of that is fixed now i don't know if that was uh due to an update that they pushed last week uh or thereabouts or if it is simply due to me now actually being on mint 19 and not 18 and stuck in the stone ages but bloodstained ritual uh, ritual of the night a ritual of what the fuck is it called <laughs> oh god I ritual of the night so not rot ron okay yeah okay um bloodstained ritual of the night now I, I i say it fully works it works on my system uh saves you know fine etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. i did uh kill the the shitty boss i got the shitty ending um i think it was last week uh, we'll do a full review maybe later on, but we are so backed up for reviews, you'll hear more about that when we get to our review this week. So, that works now. Also, uh, this should go underneath our new and noteworthy, and I was going to spend the entire episode talking about this alone, because it does ding, 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 cross off one of the items on our forever list um, from this show. From the very inception of Best Links Games Podcast, we've had a list of all the games uh, and franchises that would need to have a working port or a functional play-alike uh, of similar quality. It's like, you know, a knockoff. Um, in order for Linux to be regarded as a first-class uh, platform for gaming. You know, just like, you know, some other operating systems that suck way more than Linux. <laughs> um... Well, I am pleased to announce that one of the biggest items on that list was having Elder Scrolls Online working. And yes, I know I give Elder Scrolls tons of shit as a franchise because I hate it. Um, That has not stopped me from playing. Everything everything after more, everything after Oblivion is just nasty trash. But, um, yes. Ah, behold, this collection of fetch quests. Well, Elder Scrolls Online, which is uh, $19.99, uh, includes the first chapter, which takes you back to Morrowind, which is really cool. Um, now runs on Linux via Proton. It is impressive. Um, it's an older game. I mean, it's like five years old, but it has like 13 million people who play it. Like, literally, that's, I think, the stat that they have on their store page. 13 million people play it, which I can't imagine that's true, so we'll cut that in half. If it were... Th- one million people, that's still a fucking enormous player base, but uh, to be a multiple of a million is just ridiculous and so, yes, and beyond that, the game is actually really impressive, uh, especially visually um, I've never seen a MMORPG that is this pretty as Elder Scrolls Online, even though it came out in 2014, it is it looks damn fucking good, and it's very performant it's a lot of fun, it's actually way more fun than I thought it would be. Um, especially for the nostalgia factor of it being set in Morrowind, where, you know, of course, I am the Neverine. Um, 
so get your uh get your jump and feather spells because you'll need one on the way up and the other on the way down uh more uh, elder scrolls online morrowind 20 bucks runs on linux fucking that is a big big get uh i mean yeah it's five it's five years old but better late than never and there's still there's so many people who every time i'm online everywhere i go there are just tons of fucking people in the game it, it and if I had not played Project Gorgon, which is the open source equivalent of, it's still in early access. I haven't been on Project Gorgon in a while, um, but we 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 featured it and reviewed it on this year's show, um, as Chris Fisher would say. Um, Project Gorgon. If I had not played Project Gorgon as much as I did, Elder Scrolls Online would be the only thing I would be talking about right now. Because, you know, I never got to play it before. It was never fucking ran on Linux. It is impressive. So, there's that. Um, now, this is what I'm going to try not to let take up all of our show this week, but it came to my attention yesterday that RetroArch, as featured uh, two weeks ago in this show, so 244, um, RetroArch my understanding and my usage of RetroArch has evolved over the intervening two weeks. And they hit us with some big fucking news yesterday. Some fucking crazy news, actually. Oh, by the way, cheers. I forgot to drink the whiskey. Mm. Mm. According to RetroArch, on the 30th of this month, that would be 16 days from now. RetroArch will be releasing via Steam. Now, this is going to take some explaining as to why you should care about this. Because when I first heard about this, either yesterday or the day before, I was like, ah, whatever. And it took like nine hours and like, you know, 1.75 liters of, uh, good old-fashioned, delicious, sweet, wholesome mother's milk black velvet whiskey from good old Canada up there before I started to just have like a mind explosion, an epiphanic mind explosion in the back of my mind, unbidden product entirely from my subconscious um, and it hit me oh my god, this could change everything now before we get too far into it in the interest of being factual and accurate and stuff, um RetroArch, according to their Steam store page, and by the way, RetroArch will be free. That's what I understand from their from their announcement. It will be free, just like it is in all of its other incar- incarnations. This will be the first time that RetroArch will be able to directly integrate it directly with Steam, and I'll explain to you what that means in a moment. <coughs> uh, but I lost a point. I had a point there, but it it, it evaporated. Um, Shit. Oh, yes. The one thing, in the interest of being factual and accurate, ironically enough, as excited as I got once I realized the implications of this and went on like the site and read all the shit, ironically enough, there is no mention of support for Linux in this announcement, which I am positive is like either an oversight or like it'll just run fine by a port. I don't know. It, so. What I'm trying to say is I'm trying to temper any um, 
premature enthusiasm, premature ejaculate, ejaculasm, um, for, you know, just in case that on the 30th, when, if it drops on the 30th, uh, it doesn't work on Linux. I cannot imagine that they will not be, in short order, releasing a Linux candidate for it via Steam. Now, here's why you should care. We're only going to spend 15 minutes on this, because we got to get to our review of my friend Pedro, which made news this week itself. Anyway. So, I know we talked about RetroArch two weeks ago, but it was kind of a cursory, uh, perfunctory kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it, um... It was more like uh, an overview, and it was more. It was. It was. It was not an in-depth thing. This is not going to be an in-depth thing either. Although I was, I, I have written out, um, a huge, a huge, uh, how-to for RetroArch that uh, would be up by now as the column on the website, www.bestlingclean.com but I need to get I need to actually uh, spend like, you know, the three or four hours necessary to get all of the screen caps that need to go with it and then that means I need to actually fucking, you know hand code the fucking page and blah 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 and I've been busy as a motherfucker so, in lieu of that let me explain to you why this is important. And we're going to start with where our last mention of RetroArch two weeks ago uh, basically left off, which was using Steam ROM Manager, which is not related to RetroArch at all, uh, at least directly. But uh, Steam ROM Manager lets you basically uh, using it as a front end assemble uh, uh, VDF playlist, quote-unquote, of your ROMs so that inside of the Steam client, whether that be big picture or if you're like me and you're like the more traditional, normal Steam client, you know, with just like a list of your library files, um, what Steam ROM Manager does is it, you, you, it's, it's a very simple set of configuration, uh, items, which are so shockingly tricky to fuck up. Um, it, it only took me until yesterday before I could get all my main ROMs to actually be listed. And to, but anyway, here's what it does. You tell it what emulator you want uh, you want to run whatever it is that you're adding. So like, let's say it's Super NES. So you, you, you point it to where you have your Super NES emulator. In my case, it's in Lutris as a runner via LibRetro. So it's like, you know, blah. So you put that in there. You put that, that whole path in there. Then you tell it where the ROMs are that you want it to add to your, to generate uh, the, 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 the Steam items for. You, you give it the full path to that. And you tell it where your Steam install is. And then you test the parser and it, it, it pulls all, pulls P-O-L-L-S it pulls uh, during, doing a dry run, all of the files that are in, you know, whatever, you know, ROM folder that you told it to blah. If that looks good, then you can generate the actual, um, the actual listing items in a big batch. And then 
if that looks good and it, it pulls down uh, art assets for each individual game using a fuzzy uh, name matching method uh, that's shockingly good and you can you know, actually configure each uh, if you have endless time, which I do not um, you can actually configure each individual icon like from, un- you know, sometimes there are many more than just like, you know, the first one that it pulls up, but generally the first one it pulls up is fine then you save that then next time you open up Steam you go to like install games or whatever and go to filter and then whatever, you know you uh, decided to um, call, like, let's say it was Super NES, so, you know, we made a new category called Super NES. Uh, Steam ROM Manager packages all that that information and makes it so that Steam, in the client, in your library, uh, now creates menu items for each of those ROMs as if they are actually independent games, and that way, when you're in your Steam client, and you double click on like Sunset Riders for instance you know you click on it and press play it plays just like it you know automatically it it calls the emulator this is all done silently Uh, the emulator then pulls up the ROM all done silently Uh, and the luxury of this is that it means that functionally Steam can be come one of the best front ends not just for MAME, but for any emulator that you have ROMs for, from Game Boy Advance, Super Nintendo uh, Virtual Jaguar MAME um, Genesis, etc, etc, etc and this allows you to get uh, the organizational aspects of Steam to handle and manage your game library and as a front end, as a purely um, joystick driven only front end, it is really good. Uh, short of using a track mode or uh, or uh, other um, dedicated front ends uh, for MAME that like you know, actually have like a distribution or whatever, like RetroPie, etc., 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 etc. All of which require a lot of configuration. I haven't set up RetroPie in a long time. Um, I want to say it's been like God, it's been a long time for me. Um, but I, I blah. So that's really cool, right? That's a lot of work, and there are a lot of steps in there that can go wrong. Uh, Steam uh, ROM manager, while great and awesome and super cool, um, is finicky and can. And if you fuck up any aspect of it, uh, it will not work. Like it, it might generate listings that just don't fire, like because something is wrong. Many thanks to again to Blaster PR over these last weeks, uh, helping me to uh, iron out um, those issues and others. So this is why you should care about RetroArch coming to Steam. RetroArch is already available on Lutris. RetroArch is also available as a standalone. It's available across all platforms. So why do you care about RetroArch? At all, first of all. Say nothing of RetroArch on Steam. What RetroArch is, it runs, it's a cross-platform. You can install it via Flatpak in Linux. You can install it via Snap via Linux. You can install it via Deb, you know, in Linux. Uh, you can actually fucking, I think you can compile it yourself. Fucking source code. You want to use, fucking shove it up your ass and whistle zippity doo all fucking day long. Endless different ways to get RetroArch. And I actually have, uh, 
two different versions of RetroArch installed on my machine right now. What RetroArch does, and this is kind of weird because it's not really a front end for MAME or for, you know, what for, or for whatever emulator you want. It is more like the ultimate Swiss Army knife, one emulator to rule them all across all platforms, system agnostic. Um, doesn't require any complex configuration, any unique configuration. So here's the idea, and this is how I explained to Jeff, friend of the show, Jeff, Jeff, Jeffy Wise, uh, last night, this morning, while I was drunk out of my mind. I haven't played a main game or, or a Super Nintendo game, uh, on, you know, emulated, oh god, in maybe three years. So, it was literally a month ago-ish, I went to go play Super Mario World, and I realized I didn't have, um, a Super Nintendo emulator anymore installed on my system. I was like, oh, okay, fine. You know, just off the top of my head, I was like, I'll, I'll go get ZNES. ZS, NES. Well, there is no ZS NES available for Linux. So then I open up Synaptic, and I look for, you know, Super NES emulator or whatever, or just Super NES or, you know, blah. And there was nothing in my fucking repositories. Um, and I didn't do too, you know, careful of a deep dive, because then I suddenly realized it hit me. Oh my god, technology and time has moved on, and now there are probably whole different new emulators for Linux in order to emulate Super Nintendo. I, but the names of these, I did not know, because I, you know, like I said, I've been out of emulation for quite a while. This is a big problem, because, so then that resulted in basically like four hours, because first I had to figure that out, then I had to, you know, spend three hours reading up on what is available um, in terms of actual emulators, just for Super Nintendo. Not the, that big of a deal, and it's it's always fun, and, you know, you, no, um, no time spent learning anything or bringing yourself back up to speed in anything, no matter how interstitial that technology or tool may be, is ever truly wasted. But it's still, four hours is four hours. And I, so I, I didn't end up actually, um, I can't remember what I ended up doing, but it didn't matter, because like by then, I didn't want to play fucking Super Mario World anyway. But blah, blah, blah. So a couple weeks later, ironically, synchronistically enough, uh, Blaster PR mentions RetroArch to me and Netplay. We'll get to that in a moment. So here's the deal with RetroArch. Instead of doing what I just described to you, and that was just for one emulator. That was just for finding and and not a front end, just an emulator. I don't even know how uh, things are working in terms of outside of Mess anymore. Um, And Mess is not Mess is great, like you know, um, uh, multi emulator super system. It's basically the antecedent to uh, all previous MAME front ends. It's the first one that, like, it's the first time that MAME actually, I think MAME made it. Uh, it's the first time that MAME actually made a front end that was beyond, you know, the basic rudimentary MAME uh, incurses, you know, environment thing or whatever, which is not an incurses because it's like a rasterized incurses, but it doesn't matter. Oh, God, my allergies are killing me. I went outside to just look and see if it rained while I was asleep, and bam, it's hitting me now. So if I have snot spraying out of my face and I sound disgusting, I am sorry. So here's what RetroArch does. Instead of the entire process I just outlined for you, and that was for one system, I have 
Atari 2600 games. I have Intellivision games. I have ColecoVision games. I have uh, entire Game Boy Advanced uh, and Game Boy Genesis, Super Nintendo, Neo Geo, all the MAME games, um, and many other systems. I'm not even fucking with you. Like, there's like five other systems. Uh, what am I thinking of? What am I? Oh, Nintendo Entertainment System, for fuck's sake. Um, you know, links. I have tons of links ROMs. I have tons of Game Gear ROMs. None of them actually work, though. Uh, I don't know if that's because I, I have I haven't, I haven't looked at that in a long time, actually. But anyway, that's like ten systems. Each one previously would require its own emulator. Now, let's say I'm not on Linux. Let's say I'm on Windows. It's pretty easy to go find those, but each one of them has to be configured separately from everyone else. And they have to, each one has to be opened independently of everyone else. So, like, if you're playing Boogie Wings, which, you know, the great ragtime show, um, which is a main game, and then want to play Super Mario World on your Super Nintendo, that would require, if you, let's say you had everything set up already, that would require shutting down MAME and opening your Super Nintendo emulator or, in the case of MESS, if you have everything configured through MESS blah, but it still requires its own fucking emulator and this is a problem especially for me, on Linux, I realized holy fuck, I mean, I used to be able to do this, like, in my sleep um, configure all of this shit. In fact, I, I, I spent like a summer writing a MAME front end, but that was specifically for MAME. Anyway, bottom line is this. Instead of all of that, which is very complicated, and it's inevitably, 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 oh, yes, change. it is inevitably uh, complicated and has a learning curve that is not um, steep, but it is long. Um, and there are many, many ways to fuck it all up along the way, and it can be very frustrating and this is, you know, we, we're not playing retro games because we enjoy the fucking frustration of them not working. We play retro games because we love the fucking games, right? Same reason why we play actual video games. So, what RetroArch does is it uses a system by the way, so you you download and install RetroArch on whatever operating system you want, and it runs on all three major operating systems. All of them work the same, which is really cool. So if you have a friend who, who's on Windows and you're on Linux, it does not matter. Inside of RetroArch, after you you know you run it for the first time, you go to uh, online updater, then you update all of that shit, there's like 10 items in there it'll pull all your shaders, it'll pull all uh, uh, all the cheats, all your retro achievements uh, all of the uh, database information for all the titles, you know all the shit and it will also download the latest listing of the cores that are available what RetroArch does is it is the one emulator to rule them all, so it uses a system, they, they call them cores, which are a visual listing of every emulator, all of it specifically packaged up more or less for RetroArch. So all of this happens inside of RetroArch. There's no package manager. There's no um, anything. There's nothing to configure. So like, 
let's say you want to add a Super Nintendo emulator to your RetroArch. So in your cores, you you know you pull down the latest list and you just scroll down. It's a Nintendo Entertainment System, and then you'll see BSNES accuracy, BSNES, um, you know, uh, uh, balance, balanced. You know, those, these are uh, performance profiles. Um, Super NES nine uh, X, Super NES nine X, blah 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 version, version, version. You know, thing like that. And there'll be like fifteen of them. There'll be like yeah, there's like eight of them, I think, for um for uh, Super Nintendo. For MAME, there's like 12 of them. They go, they have like a uh, generic MAME one, they have MAME 2000, MAME 2003, 2005. Shockingly enough, they don't have 2013, which is weird. They have uh, 2015, 2016, etc, 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 etc. Now, once you have, so all you do to install the emulator is you click on the core, and that's it. It'll download it, it'll install it, it happens automatically. You save your configuration file, and that's it. You never even have to actually call the core um, you can just, from that point on, you can load content directly from your directories inside of RetroArch, and it will pick the right core to fire with it. So, like, it knows what a MAME ROM is. It knows what a Game Boy Advance ROM is. It knows what, um, you know, it, 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 it identifies your stuff. Now, the fucked up thing is that RetroArch, in its current state, even one, even 1.77, which is the last version that uh, Blaster PR and I experimented with, and I still have it installed and it's great. Um, odd, oddest thing is that RetroArch, for all of its this is great, by the way, and what this means is, then you can configure one time, in one interface all of the input all of the inputs for your game, for player 2, player 3, player 4, you know, blah 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 blah, you can set up netplay, you can set up retro achievements, um, you can set it all up and you never have to do it again. You would have to replicate it every time for each emulator otherwise. It's all unified and then if you need like in terms of like MAME or whatever, you want to make individual changes uh, per ROM, you do it the same way you would um, in old school MAME. Like you would actually just, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm talking specifically about uh, input because that's like always the number one thing. Um, you know, let's say like uh, Star Wars, the you need to tune the analog if you're using a, just a fucking you know generic uh, Xbox One uh, wired joystick. You need to tune the analog to get Star Wars to you know the old arcade game Star Wars to actually function and behave analogous to you know blah. Or let's say you're like me and you have an X arcade tank stick and you want your token top spinner for to be available for Tempest and for Major Havoc, but not for anything else or whatever. You can do all of that shit too, and it saves it. It's done. Other cool thing is it saves your video settings, your sound settings, and eventually you get to Netplay, which we'll get to in a moment. So, what this means is... Oh, but ironically though, especially in terms of MAME, and I, 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 I haven't tried this with Super Nintendo inside of RetroArch, Oh, and by the way, RetroArch, you can get it uh, available as a standalone, or you can get it uh, available as LibRetro as a runner inside of Lutris, if you know what that means. Don't worry about it. Let's just assume that we're doing standalone, because you're going to have to if you want to do Netplay, because uh, the, the LibRetro for Lutris is uh, an older version of RetroArch that does not have Netplay enabled. So, anyway. Where were we? Oh, yes. So, ironically... RetroArch itself is not a front end. It 
they're adding this functionality to it, and it was originally designed to have this functionality, you know, integrated uh, into it at its core. But right now, if you make it crawl, like if you make it scan, like your MameROMs, it won't add them. It won't like library ties them. And I've not had any luck with other systems, but I can't remember which systems I've tried. Um, that's okay because you can actually just use. RetroArch directly to call a game directly. But that sucks. However, what RetroArch does, and what it has just done in everything I just described, is eliminate the need for individual emulators for every different system, unifies them all in a cross-platform operating system independent agnostic operating lots of words, lots of syllables trying to escape my mouth. Um, an operating system agnostic way uh, and which can be used as for instance going back to the example of Steam ROM Manager can be used as the intermediary to call the emulator that you want which is what Steam ROM Manager really does in, in this use case in the way, we, the way I've just described it Seamrun Manager doesn't require RetroArch. You can use whatever emulator you want, but it is way better with RetroArch. So anyway, and then you get to use Steam, the Steam client, as your front end for all of your emulation. Now here is the funny thing. RetroArch announcing that they are going to be releasing a Steam version of RetroArch means that suddenly this functionality you will no longer, like if if you're like Blaster PR or myself, you won't need Steam ROM Manager anymore come the 30th. All of this will happen automatically inside of Steam. Your RetroArch will run inside of Steam natively. This could be the beginning of like the biggest thing in terms of Emulation, video game uh, preservation, uh, classic classic gaming since really like MAME 2003 maybe because what this is going to do is it's going to open up this entire world and make it completely fucking dumb fire stoop, rock stupid easy for anyone to have all of their ROMs from all of their systems pulled directly into Steam. Maso Menos. I mean, this functionality, I don't know if that's exactly how it's going to work when, you know, it drops, but if it doesn't exactly work that way, trust me, that functionality will be immediately around the corner, and if they don't do it, someone else will. Um, I will do it if I have to, for fuck's sake. That is going to be some sick fucking shit. Now, of course, all of this is with the big major caveat of wait and see. And trust me, the the once even after I had this epiphany, it did in no way dissuade me from spending another four hours over the last two days um, to get my name ROMs listed through Steam ROM Manager into my Steam client, which finally now works. Um. Because it's 
very, very tricky for, um, it was very, very tricky to get that to actually work, work. But now I have my Super Nintendo games and my main games. I don't have my Genesis games on there yet, but I can add it. So if you're interested in doing this, like, you know, blah, I just basically described how to do all of it. But if you're not interested in that, just wait till the 30th. And there's a good chance that Steam ROM Manager might become already, even though it's such a great project, it might become obsolete. You know, at the, it's like, you know, being stillborn or whatever. <laughs> uh, they have a great community, Steam ROM Manager, by the way. They have a, a great Steam community. Like, literally, there's a Steam group for uh, Steam ROM Manager. And they have a great Discord channel, which is very active. Um, but yeah. So that is why you should care. That could change the face of emulation as we know it, really. Because one of the hardest things is, like, if you don't know that you can emulate fucking uh, N64, or uh, if you don't know, like, about Dolphin, or you don't know, Hot Dolphin! Or you... <laughs> not that Hot Dolphin. Uh, sorry, fucking Dolphin. Um, or PCSX2, uh, which I always get backwards, so I... So I, I'm not sure if I got it backwards, but every time I don't get it backwards, I get it backwards because I think I'm gonna get it backwards. That's a PlayStation 2 emulator. Virtual Jaguar! You don't ever have to fucking download these things ever again. They're all in RetroArch. And generally, where multiple versions of them are available, multiple versions of them are available inside of RetroArch. That is huge! Because then it's like, we brought the fucking whiskey, you bring the rye, you know, it's like chocolate and peanut butter. Like, all you have to do is bring the fucking ROMs and, and some BIOS files, depending on, you know, if you want SNK, blah, 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 support. Um, but it is dumb fire easy, and then it unites all of it under one umbrella. The only thing it doesn't really have is a front end, which is where Steam would come in. So we'll see how that works, shakes out in the near future, and if they actually launch with Linux support, which would be hilarious because it's a Linux project. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Um, if you got, anyone has any questions about uh, how to do this stuff, um, like I said, I'm, I'm punching up a document on it, and uh, and or just jump in our Discord. Um like me and Blaster PR have been beating this shit like a cheap drum up and down the street all up in your grill on the Discord because it's fucking awesome now, that brings us to our final thing about RetroArch coming to Steam let's say you don't care about any of this shit, let's say you're, let's say you're a slov- slovenly motherfucker who has absolutely no inclination towards fucking uh, organizing all of your hundreds of thousands of fucking electronic video game ROMs and ISOs and emulators and cabinet art and flyers and fucking vibersonic dildo phones and all your porn belong to us you know, etc, etc, etc let's say you don't give a shit where any of it is and or if any of it even fucking works anymore, if it's reliable or you know, blah, blah, blah why should you care? Well, this week, Blaster PR and I actually got uh, uh, RetroArch RetroArch's Netplay feature to work. What does the Netplay feature do? It allows you to take any one of the aforementioned emulators and any one of the ROMs that you may have for any of those 
uh, emulators. So any system that you've ever played, basically. And if that game supports two-player or multi or more than one player natively, what NetPlay lets you do is play classic games from every console over the internet with your friends just like you guys were sitting on the same couch or standing in the same arcade or sitting at the same bar in cocktail mode. Not fucking with you. It is awesome. Uh, BPR or not, it's, it's, it's still in beta, so the, the big caveats here are that there's no checking. They're adding this f- functionality later. It's, it's in the roadmap. Um, there's no checking to make sure of the following things, and these are essential. Both you and whoever you want to be playing with have to be running the same version of RetroArch, so, which is why you need to install a standalone 1.77 of RetroArch. Um, or, you know, blah, and make sure that your friend is, has that installed. You also need to be running the same core. So, like, if you're running uh, SuperNES uh, 9X, generic, and they're running BSNES accuracy, that's probably not going to work. In fact, I'm positive it won't work. I'm not actually 100% positive because I have not tried it, but, you know. Um, you both need to be running the same runner. And you both need theoretically, ostensibly, the same ROM. But that's it. Oh, another thing you need to know someone needs to set up the room in the netplay thing, which is easy to do. It's literally three three clicks. You can do it with a controller. Um, joining that room, you just join it by the IP that the other person, you know, sends so his fucking message. The other person says, like, yeah, we're gonna play, we played a Super Con- we played a Contra 3 The Alien Wars on the Super Nintendo, and we played Streets of Rage 2 on the Genesis. Um, where uh, Blaster PR, the motherfucker, kept killing me and then blaming me for having murdered me, which is very funny. It's very funny. Ha ha! You laugh. Very funny. Dr. Jones. Uh, And if you want, there is actual video evidence of this. We live stream the whole fucking thing. This is amazing. And that is functionality that you probably might be interested in even if you are the most slovenly motherfucker and don't give a shit about any of this technical bullshit. The other reason that you might want to get into RetroArch is RetroArch has direct integration with the free and awesome uh, Retro Achievements uh, system, which is you know, just set up an account. It's super easy to set up an account. It's free. They don't bother you. Blah. Just remember your username and password. Put that in RetroArch and bam, all of a sudden, all of your classic games, most of them, many of them, Many of them, even shockingly obscure main games, have will now have achievements enabled, and so you can, you'll be able to actually accrue and uh, you know pimp yourself out, be resplendent with your retro gaming hardcore street cred glory, with your retro achievements, you know, dangling like massive fucking gold chains and clocks from around your neck, motherfucker. Look at me, bitches. Million dollar strong. 24 carat double-edged smoothie. I know the, the silent E there is supposed to be silent, but that's how I roll. So yeah, fucking radical. All this and more might be coming up your grill, bitch, down your snorkel, motherfucker, sooner than you think. And once this is all easy to do, which it actually is very easy to do as it is now, I mean, it's like, 
so much better. It's going to blow the fuck up. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Suddenly, fucking Mame will once again be, you know, the thing that like your cool, your coolest friend, you know, when you're 13, jumps you in, or when you're, you know, 16 or 17, or or actually, I was, I was older than that. Fuck. 1999, right? I was 19. Um, you know, it'll be again, like 1999, <laughs> when Mame and like having a great ROM set will be the gift that your really cool friend actually gives you. Um, and I could say that because I have been that really cool friend, especially in terms of Jeff Jeffy Wise, who still, I was shocked. I only bring this up because he mentioned this to me this morning, last night, slash last night. Um, he still has the uh, complete MAME set that I gave him when we worked together at the Golden Steer, which is insane. And it's good because <laughs> it's irreplaceable. Um, okay, so yeah, there we go. Now, on to our review. I will base them with it. In accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. All right, my friends and neighbors. I am very pleased. Uh, we, we only have like... Uh, well, we'll go like an hour and 15 this week, I guess. Right, Ivor? Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we got through all of that stuff, though, because I want—I definitely wanted to revisit all that stuff. But anyway, our review this week is of one of my favorite games of the last, you know, month. Um, and one of... <laughs> one of the m- most insane, malevolent... And just like works of twisted psychotic genius um, in the side-scrolling shooter uh, arena that I've played in a long time. It is called My Friend Pedro. Now, I'm not going to bother you with the story of My Friend Pedro. Here's the game. Well, here, here are the facts. First of all, congratulations my friend Pedro was developed by a team of one guy who somehow managed to parlay it's not even somehow like he, he somehow managed to actually gain an audience with Devolver um, who has published the game uh, it, it was developed by uh, Dead Toast Entertainment which is actually or Dead Toast Games or something like that it's called Dead Toast which is actually just one guy which is all I love it anytime it's just one guy cause I'm just one guy too <laughs> <laughs> mm. in terms of games in terms of game development so I, so here's the deal with my friend Pedro which sold according to Devolver over 250,000 units its first week so congratulations I love it when a title this good finds its audience this fast um, I've been live streaming the shit out of it. Everyone who uh, follows the Twitch stream probably is sick of hearing about it, although I can't imagine that that's possible because I'm not sick of playing it. Before we even get into the describing the game, I'm going to tell you this. My friend Pedro, on the normal difficulty level, will take your average player somewhere between 6 and 10 hours to beat. 
think I beat it in like somewhere like around in the middle range of that, like around eight hours. So it's not a long game. There are, I think, like 25 levels in it. The levels, well, we'll get to that in a moment. Level design is fantastic. The game itself is a two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer, but it's not a platformer in the sense of any other platformer that you've ever experienced. If Max Payne had been a platformer, that gets you closer to understanding my friend Pedro. So the first time you beat the game, you're like, wow, that was really fun, really cool, great, I can put it away. You know, and then I can post my review of it here on the show. That's normally what happens. Except in some cases, when I really like a game. And my friend Pedro was so quick to beat that I started to wonder, you know, what what had I, what, maybe I missed something and, you know, I wanted to get, you know, 20 hours in because... You know, my rule is it's either 20 hours or beating the game. So I was clear to review the game, you know, after I beat it the first time, but I, I felt that there was, might be more. And this is what happens with my friend Pedro, because then you go down the rabbit hole. So we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. So what is my friend Pedro? My friend Pedro is... Well, we'll I'll only discuss like, the second weapon you get, which has infinite ammo, the first weapon you get is a pistol. Second weapon you get is two pistols. Both of them have, all three of the, well, both of those weapons have infinite ammo. My friend Pedro makes you consider every fucking motion, every movement, every shot you take, well, not every shot you take, because lots of times you just need covering fire, um, but blah, it makes you consider all of these things, exactly where you're going, exactly how you're going to get there, in what order you're going to kill everybody on screen, and it makes you do it even in bullet time, it makes you do it at light speed. Because, okay, so here, here's the idea. Major innovations to my in terms of uh, gaming inside of my friend Pedro. It might be easier to approach this topic from that perspective. First of all, you can split your aim. If you have um, a gun that has a Kimbo, so you have like, you know, two guns, one in each hand, um, that would be uh, a Kimbo... Uh, you know, Berettas, you know, there's only, there's only one type of pistol in the entire game. Akimbo Uzis, uh, or Akimbo Uzis, that's it. Yeah, those are the only two guns that are Akimbo. Other guns in the game are a combat shotgun, which has like a fucking ridiculously huge clip. clip. It's like 12 rounds or whatever. Fortunately, you cannot fire in between while reloading. You can't fire individually each shell while reloading, but that's okay because you won't have time to worry about that. Seriously, you will not have time to worry about it. Um, and then there is an assault rifle that has an attached grenade launcher. It is not the weapons. You can beat the entire game on 
even the even hard difficulty, not bananas, which is the hardest difficulty level. That's like crazy difficult. And I've not been in the game on bananas yet. I'm almost sixty percent through a banana uh, beating the game on bananas. Bananas is fucking hard. If anything, if there is a major fault in the game, a major design fault, I would say it's that the 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 variation in terms of difficulty between the normal difficulty and the hard difficulty is like barely, it's noticeable but it's not profound the difference between hard and bananas is extreme and really painful it's like a big fucking psychotic learning curve and bananas is the most fun way to play the game because the enemies do not miss so anyway major innovations for my friend Pedro again this is a two dimensional side scrolling shooter in a platformer kind of oeuvre first of all there is the ability to split your aim by holding down the left trigger at any time using the right stick to lock that aim so as long as you're holding down the left trigger you have a green reticle that represents one of your guns your right stick then becomes your other gun and the gun that you have while you hold down the left the left trigger you're you're you will aim at whatever wherever that green reticle is and it will not move your arm will automatically move as you move but that arm will always aim at that direction this means you can independently aim once you get good at the game at as many as two people at a time once you get really good at the game what this means is you can kill you can address three four targets at once if you are in um, bullet time. Now, bullet time in my friend Pedro does not work like bullet time in Max Payne. In Max Payne, if you've ever played the Max Payne franchise, bullet time is always at a premium. Bullet time doesn't last forever. In my friend Pedro, it feels like it lasts a long fucking time. And if you're good at the game, it does last a long fucking time. In fact, if you're really good at the game, you can combo in one combo an entire level killing everyone in one combo. Generally uh, shifting in and out of giant blocks of bullet time. Once you get fantastic at the game, I'm very good at this game. Although everyone who watched me yesterday when I was drunk and stoned uh, when I was trying to explain it to Boldy, I was trying to explain the the techniques and stuff that are that 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 uh, make up the core of the gameplay elements of I remember Pedro to Boldy Lockers yesterday on the live stream, um, and I was just terrible. But anyway, once you get really really good at the game, you don't really need the bullet time, except for in emergencies. Now, other major innovation: there are two. The game is just filled. It's a constant firefight. It is a constant, high-intensity, high-octane, insane, hyper-fast, ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny, 
fucking John Woo, fucking hard-boiled Chai Yun Fa, fucking tea house scene, fucking murder fest in t- glorious two-dimensional side-scrolling real 3D. Because there, there is a uh, th- the same, uh, as uh, Stupid End User pointed out several weeks ago, uh, the same uh, side-scrolling 3D technique used in Bloodstain uh, Ritual of the Night is used in My Friend Pedro. You can't move into the foreground or background, except in certain cases. There, there are vehicle. There's a vehicle level where you can do that, but it's just a refactoring of the same two dimensional. Anyway, it does not matter. So you can split your aim. Now, the thing is, whatever your character is doing, he can aim forget about the split aim, we're just going to talk about normal aim now. Normal aim means you fire both pistols at once. Which, or I think, no. Yeah. Yeah, yes, I'm pretty sure. Although I have been, I have been getting confused about this lately. But anyway, the bottom line is this. Using your, you aim with your right stick. That controls a little virtual line that goes from your guns to across the screen. When you aim, when you when you like look up or down or left or right, your character retains that aim until it is changed. So if you are aiming to the left of the screen, upper left of the screen, okay? and you're on the left of the screen and you start walking towards the right of the screen you will be walking backwards because you'll be aiming up at the top left of the screen this does not sound that interesting but it is fucking fundamental because here's the thing in my friend Pedro you are never not fucking moving and when I say moving I don't just mean like you know walking or running. You are always running. There is no run button. There is no walk button. There's a roll button and then there are two other buttons that we will get to immediately that are important. What this means is that if you are shooting at the upper left of the screen and you're jumping let's say you're facing let's say say you're facing that way. You're shooting a guy up at the top left of the screen. You're backpedaling to the right and at full speed, you're running backwards and then there's a guy on the right of the screen let's say you split your aim locking onto the guy at the top left of the screen then let's say you do a somersault as you start shooting at both of the guys on the right and the left side of the screen somersaults twist you in like a 180 pretzel. It's like a literally like a flip, but it's like a flip with a twist in it. Your arms and whatever they're aiming at will try to retain their aim at whatever you're aiming at. But this is not always possible because let's say you land your somersault and you're out of bullets. So you press reload. Meanwhile, the guy in the right is now shooting 
at you. All of this happens in under one second. Guy on the right is now shooting at you. Let's say the guy in the top left is dead. You drop both your clips. It takes under one second to reload uh, your Kimbo pistols. You're in bullet time. You drop your clips. Bullet time, by the way, is a trademark. Or a uh, shoot, to- uh, shoot dodge is a trademark of Rockstar. I remember when they when they tra- when they when they trademarked that or uh, trademarked or copyrighted. I can't remember. Anyway, you're dropping your clips. There are bullets that are about to hit you in the head, face, and body from the guy with the Uzis on your right who is still alive. Bullets are coming at you very fast. If you are not in bullet time, it is a, like the the thing that I am best at in terms of my friend Pedro is this next move that I'm about to describe. So you are reloading. You have no ammo. Your clips are dropped. You're in the halfway to refreshing the clips in your akimbo pistols. You're about to get hit by bullets. So you press the left bumper. This button works whether you're in the air or whether you're on the ground. If you're crouched, it does not work. If you're rolling, it does not work. This causes you to do what the game calls a dodge, which is aptly named. It makes you spin a hundred, uh, 360 degrees and makes you invulnerable to any bullets that should hit you during that animation. It takes about seven-tenths of a second, something like that. It's like, that's how fast it is. So it's like maybe, yeah, just underneath a second, about seven-tenths of a second. So those bullets that the guy with the Uzi on the right shot at you didn't hit you. But halfway through your spin, your, your dodge, you've reloaded and you start shooting. Well, you're spinning 360 degrees in place, or you could be moving at the same time, you know, doesn't have to be in place. If you're firing while you're doing that, even though you might only be aiming at the right, you will be firing to the right one out of every three times you pull the trigger if you're really fast. Because you're spinning 360 degrees. Now, if you have um, the same the same is true, basically, if you even have like a split aim. Like if you're locked, if you're locked, and by the way, split aiming, one of the coolest things about split aiming is you when you hold down that left trigger and you split your aim, wherever the reticle is, is like, you know, is wherever it gets locked. That's where one of your guns will always be firing. Whether or not that can hit anything is up to you because like you can lock onto guys that are like you know you can be underneath a ledge and they can you know there can be obstructions in the way game does not care other cool thing about split aiming is that it doesn't it it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a person doesn't have to be a target it can be an area it can also be an object that you lock onto now if if it locks onto a person the reticle will follow that person if they move, but generally they don't move that much because generally they die. But anyway. So when you do the dodge thing, though, it looks like a dance step. 
And so you're now shooting in two different directions as you spin 360 degrees and you still control every trigger press. The next innovation is the somersault. That's the thing that twists you like a pretzel. It's like you do a flip, but you can also, it also twists you, twist rolls you kind of. It tries to plant your feet as best as able, but sometimes you land on your head and it looks kind of ridiculous. It doesn't matter and you don't care. You quickly be grow inured to um, some of the defects. They're not even really defects. It's just like it's difficult to imagine how you could make blend trees for a pseudo ragdoll character like yourself because all of your arms while you're somersaulting are independent of the actual action because you're aiming at things. So, oh, and by the way, when you somersault, when you, when you, when you, when you yeah, when, when you, um, yeah, when, when you flip, it makes it much harder for enemies to hit you. Uh, if an enemy hits you when you're doing that, like if you're on bananas, what would be a devastating, like, you know, like almost kill you shot will be like a graze. Like what would take 75% of your health will take 10% of your health. This becomes important on bananas especially. Once you get really good at the game, you know where every enemy is and know exactly how to aim at them and you know the sequence in which you need to kill them. Now, why do I mention sequence? Because the game has the trade-off for having all of this bullet time available and you can run out of bullet time. You can replenish it easily by just killing one person. Getting one kill basically, generally, usually, almost always refills completely your bullet time. It is not difficult to get, like I said, you can string together out of, you can make one combo out of an entire level of literally 70 guys. (laughs) This is awesome. Now, here's the thing. Once you get obsessed with the game, all of these precision, all of these movements, all of these actions from when you reload to where you aim to how you approach a situation and up to and definitely including the order and method by which you kill everyone on any given screen as you manage to navigate through that area becomes increasingly important. Why? Because your combo Your combo, I don't know exactly how long the timer is for your combo, but it is the same. It never changes. It never lengthens. Every time you get a kill, it counts as times one for your combo. That starts the countdown for when your combo expires. Get another kill before the combo expires. It gets added to the current combo. There are There's a point system for style in terms of how you kill in this game. The game is also designed to be sped run. So ultimately what this turns out to be is an insane, never the same fucking thing twice, even though you've done it. I've done it hundreds of times now. <laughs> Several levels I've done hundreds of times. Um, well, not hundreds, hundreds, but like I've done at least 100 times. I've got 31 hours in the game. Mm. more whiskey 
So what this means is, anytime you can squeeze maybe half a second to a second out of keeping, out of actually managing to navigate the complex series of kind of, it's amazing how the game manages to pull all this off without it seeming ridiculous because like, yeah, like first like eight levels are in like basically a butcher shop and like downtown area kind of thing but it's a side-scrolling platform. Oh yeah, the other thing is wall jumping. You will constantly be wall jumping. Wall jumping means moving to a wall jumping on it and in a dynamic motion doing a somersault off of it to reach the next higher level on the other side. This is a constant move and a fundamental mechanic in the game. So if early on, like let me give you just very brief because we're running out of time. Early on in the game, there's a, a, a scenario where there are these elevators. They're like um, they're they're like a scaffolding, but they're held on pulleys, and so it's your weight that makes them move down. Uh, and you have to make the move down to get access to the next area. The game is not a puzzler, although lots of lots of the game actually turns out to consume you like a puzzle, but it is the most unbelievable, mind-blowing action fest that you've ever seen. I mean, it, it takes exactly five seconds before you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. But, so let's say there's a guy on the left side of the screen and he's like, you know, you're at the bottom and he's like kind of in the middle top, center, left of the screen you can kill him right as you see him when you jump up to him in the middle, you know, it looks like a kidney, or kind of, not a kidney uh, looks like a an L and then there's like a wall jump to the left and then that guy is you know, two stories above that, so there's a wall jump on the left now to the right which would take you three stories up and then the exit's on the right and where a, you know, this dumbwaiter kind of thing is and let's say the wall between the dumbwaiter thing and that guy is actually a fence you can shoot through fences you could kill that guy the second you got onto that first ledge easily but you still have to do one more jump and then wait for the dumbwaiter so what's better is to extend your combo is to not kill that guy at all. To use bullet time, dodging, and flipping, and wall jumping, to get onto that dumbwaiter, and then right before, because you have to wait for that dumbwaiter to go down, because it takes your weight to make it go down, and let, you know the next area is down below that dumbwaiter, you have to make it go down like a little tunnel or whatever, and then you have to like roll off of it to get, to continue on with the map. What's better is to not kill that guy right when you see him, it's to get onto that dumbwaiter. Dodge that motherfucker the whole fucking way. Do it fast. Get on that dumbwaiter, and then right before you descend beyond the limits of your aiming at the lip as you go down, then you blow his fucking head off. That will extend your combo by, you know, like a second at least. And a second in this game is a long time. Especially when it comes to the combos. Because to get a 55 fucking plus combo requires absolute fucking 
unbelievable precision strategy tactics and real hardcore skill the game so once you get your final score at the end of each level you get a grade to get an S is almost crazy taxi hard in this game S is like super insane Uh, A is fantastic B is you know whatever C is you suck other things about the game because we're, we're out of time now but you know, fuck it, we'll go an hour and a half, whatever fuck it, it's worth it, I wanted to talk about Retroarch and I wanted to talk about my friend Pedro because it is a game you must play if you like bullet time, shoot dodging, John Woo Max Payne uh, side-scrolling platformers with insane story in a dystopian future realistic gunplay um, and then just complete insanity one other thing I want to mention about my friend Pedro. Later on, you'll discover a series of, um, what do you call them? Ropes uh, with um, oh, Jesus. Words don't fail me now. Well, I've talked a lot in this episode, but uh, ropes are like a hook, like, you know, like a cargo hook. These ropes you can swing from. You can swing to the left, you can swing to the right the air control in terms of like the inertia and gravity is not realistic and it's that way by design because you are not realistic um what this means and this is one of the coolest things that you'll see in the game apart from the skateboard apart from pots and pans and I'm not going to tell you what pots and pans are I'm not going to tell you about you know kicking a knife into someone's face while you tilt over a table as you leap over that table, or no, as you tilt over a table, you kick a knife in a guy's face, knock over the table, there are three other guys right there, and a fourth guy way the fuck back there, but you're all in the same fucking playing field, you're all in the same restaurant, kick the knife in the first guy's face, there are three more guys, you knock over the table, you roll behind the table, you're crouching behind the table, now you can blind fire, which is where you take your Kimbo duel you take your duelies, you aim them over the cover with your head still under cover and you'd be surprised what you can do there, you kill the next two guys as you're already leaping out from behind the cover, as you are reloading, as you are flipping I'm not kidding, this is this is my friend Pedro you split your aim, you kill the last of the three main guys as you arc towards him in a somersault while you shoot the guy at the far, the fifth guy at the far, far right of the screen blind aiming at him you've killed five guys in under two seconds doing it without bullet time is also fun and you get really good at at doing that, but it doesn't give you enough time to savor and plan and tweak out every ounce of subtle nuance and nonsense. Oh, and you can also kick. Kick. I have a I have a troubled relationship with the kick and the roll. But anyway, so let's go back to the uh, the ropes with the hooks, the cargo hook things. So you can swing on these things. You can also descend down them. You cannot ascend up them. 
later on in the game they have a special type of ascending uh, rope that like actually auto winches itself upwards this is in the far flung dystopian distant future and by the way the, I'm not going to tell you anything about the plot of the game but it is a touching uh, familial love story involving uh, one man lots of guns uh, and a talking banana um, and lots of fucking dead bad guys Let's go back to this this idea of the rope with the with the hook on it. So you jump onto the rope with the hook on it. Let's say they're right in front of you as you're, you know, you're holding onto it with one hand. You have your gun in your other hand. Let's say there are two guys there, one on top of the other. So I get like the third story at the top of the screen, there's a guy. At the second story, there's another guy, and at the third story is where at the you know, bottom of the screen to the right, that's where you get that's where you, you want to go to. At the very bottom of the screen is a bottomless pit. So you jump onto the rope, and instead of just shooting each one of those guys, which you can totally do, you decide to split aim them. And you, and by the way, while you're on the rope, you can still dodge. Um, you can't uh, somersault unless it's to another rope or to like a ledge otherwise generally other than that like it's always going to be into the bottomless pit with you so instead of instead of just shooting these two guys you decide to split your aim this causes you let's see I'm trying to imagining this causes you to fold yourself roughly in the middle so that you're you bring you basically do a crunch and bring your feet up to where your head is it's almost like you let go of the rope and flip a little bit then you grab the rope with your ankles allowing you to free up both of your hands so that you can now independently aim at these guys this happens in uh, you know, under a second. It is very fast. You can descend the rope this way. You can also swing as you are dodging their incoming fire while you're shooting at two guys. All of this, you, all of this should take under two seconds to kill both of those guys and to reach the bottom of the rope. Doing it in real time is a thing of beauty and you do it all the time. One final thing, this is not a major spoiler, but this is something that is kind of a secret. The game gets fucking nuts. For instance, by the time you are on a skateboard, leaping through plate glass windows as you use an automatic shotgun on anyone and everyone in your way as a hovercraft gunship with a Gatling gun chases you across the rooftops of abandoned construction site skyscrapers and you are shoot dodging jumping with your skateboard and then using your kick to realign the skateboard as you are spinning around so that when you land you will land on the skateboard 
It is a glorious fucking game. That's all I gotta say. I highly recommend My Friend Pedro, which is store page. Once it came out June 20th, 2019, uh, it's $19.99. It is a fantastic game. And it is very easy to beat this game, but it is very, very fun. The whole game is speedrun. Uh, it's heavily weight. Your score is heavily weighted on style. First your combos, then your style. Because that's the actual point value for your combos. All of which have verbal names. Like if you get a dodge kill by shooting a guy in the neck and then get a somersault kill immediately after that while you're split aiming as you grab a rope with your feet. Not kidding. You will see, you'll do this shit. You will master this shit. It's easy. It's fluid. It's effortless. It is incredible. You will die all the time. It is fam bloody tastic. Once the game gets under your skin, you will start to get obsessed with trying to find every possible way to boost your score so you can get up the leaderboards. My scores really suck. But I think there was some persistent hacking. They tried to clear the leaderboards, and I think um, because of of hacking, uh, just post-release. Because there are people who have 9 million points, and I have no idea how to get 9. I just broke 1.8 million for the first time like three nights ago on uh, one of the um, harder levels. Anyway, fantastic game. And once you get really good at it, you can beat it more or less in two sittings. So like five hours to beat the game. But it's really obsessing over all the stylistic nuances that you can do and all the coolest shit you can pull off on your live stream. Cheers, I'll do us for this week. I will catch you next week. Uh, oh man, we are so backlogged. We had to do a review this week, so I'm sorry we went long, but we had to do a review because we have fucking five other games that are queued up to be reviewed. As I explained to Stupid End User earlier this week, it's not that we're behind, it's that we're so far ahead. Like, I mean, I have five games that I'm ready... If we had five episodes that we could do in one week, I would die. That's one thing. Um, But the other thing is, like, you know, then we would be... We would have cleared the backlog. So, I'm trying to review his... I'm I'm trying to pump these out, is what I'm trying to say. Awesome. Uh, Check out RetroArch. Uh, Yeah. Enough said. It's pain! Thanks for listening. Cheers. Four or five times. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm going to try four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to see. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy. Four or five times. Matt Damon. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. Good day, Captain.
there is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. Hello, great justice.